There is one newspaper that is independent of powerful interests, and that's Green Left Weekly. It's a people's voice committed to human and civil rights, environmental sustainability, democracy and equality. It presents ideas mainstream media won't. It's the leading source of local, national and international news analysis and discussion and debate to strengthen the anti-capitalist movements. It exposes the lies and distortions of the power brokers and helps us to better understand the world around us. Good morning, listeners, and welcome to Green Left Radio. In the studio we have... Zane. And Dennis. Oh, Fergal. She's <laughs> Irish, she forgets. <laughs> who, who, who? Who am I? Uh, what an exciting week. All right, guys. Uh, you've been to multiple um, stop work meetings, uh, rallies. It's been such a busy week in Melbourne. Yes, And um, Dennis is going to give us a rundown of all that stuff. Yes, indeed. Well, uh, yes, yes, yes. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, actually, um, the not so bright, the not so breaking news this morning is our new Prime Minister Malcolm Turnbull is, as Simon Butler puts here in Greenleaf Weekly, simply Abbott with better manners. <laughs> especially, yes, especially when it comes to the um, issue of climate change. Ah, uh, well, and. The the pro- the problem uh, the biggest problem illustrated here is that the, it's a it's a it's what we, what we can all hope for for the from our new prime minister the change is in style but not isn't but not in substance so uh, in the first day as uh, the prime minister uh, prime minister Malcolm Turnbull ruled out any change to his predecessor's climate policies and Ooh. that yeah <laughs> so that means that also that means refusal to improve Australia's tiny emissions cut pledge at the UN climate talks in Paris later this year right. and it also means it also means the Abbott's direct action scheme will stay despite a report last month that showed that it will f- it will force only 30 of the nation's 150 worst polluters to cut emissions at all and of the th- and of the top 20 polluters all will be allowed to increase emissions under the direct action scheme. And this is a guy who professed to be better than Tony Abbott on the climate change question. Well, he professed to be better on, on climate change than uh, Kevin Rudd either, from what from yeah, I remember. Yeah. He's kind of, he was kind of uh, you know, marketed as this sort of uh, environmentally conscious, environmentally friendly climate action uh, side of the uh, side of the Liberal Party things yeah, apparently not. It's a problem. I think there's quite a few people in the climate movement who uh, fall for that and who um, uh, they don't really look at the question of class. And so mm. the idea that there's this faction of the Liberal Party that are, that are getting ready to support you know strong climate action <laughs> is a very tempting idea for people because. Mm. It's, uh, it's kind of a quick and easy solution. Certainly true, but also um, uh, the 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 uh, the, w- the way that uh, Mark Thomas intends to sell it, as well, would be would be at a uh, you know in a much more attractive manner than that of than the way that Tony Abbott did it. So, so we'll, we can say goodbye to the offish claims that coal is good for humanity. Mm. 
<laughs> and the revolting jokes about the Pacific I- Island nations yes. being swamped by ri- rising seas. So now, so now, yeah, uh, I think uh, Gregory was saying here. Now we have to look forward to uh, guarantees of gradual market-led change, sometime far off in the future, and perhaps cultivated murmurs of regret and low-lying islands face when in 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 this kind of a future. Now, now, now just uh, just one last po- last point in the story here. Now, uh, Jeff Kennett. Um, who himself was actually an Abbott supporter, actually furiously denounced Turnbull on September 14th <laughs> as the Kevin Rudd of the Liberal Party. <laughs> yeah. Is that a compliment or insult? I'm not yeah, well, yeah I, was, I was a bit confused by that as well. How can you denounce him? <laughs> and on environmental issues, it is more likely that uh, Turnbull will be remembered as the Liberal Party's answer to the form, uh, former environmental minister Peter Garrett. Oh, so yet another politician who abandoned their prior commitments to green policies yes. at precisely the moment they attained the political sway to advance them. It's, it's funny that, isn't it? Mm, mm. Compromise. Yes. Ah, well, also, uh, listeners, make sure, be sure to check out this wonderful article here by Peter Boyle, Behind the Revolving Door of Prime Ministers. Yes. Yes, I'm, j- I'm just going to read out this, this uh, one quote from here, from when we were all sitting on our TVs, watching the rolling cov- coverage of um, t- Tony Abbott being assassinated by Turnbull. <laughs> now the party is over, the popcorn has been vacuumed out from under the couch, the spilled beer is doing its traditional preservative work on the carpet, and for many it is back to watching the football or tennis. And nursing a, hunger, a hangover, we are thinking, gee, that was fun, but what does this really mean? Well, uh, six prime ministers in the last seven years uh, uh, sort of, I think, speaks volumes of um, the um, the con- the continuous um, uh, not uh, not just the continuous inefficiency, but the continuous discreditation of our duopolized political po- political system. And it also, it's also a, um, a, you know, an indictment on this issue of leadership. Mm. What does it really mean? You know, if you keep changing leaders, yeah, where yeah. is this, this concept of leadership? Yeah, no, you're not just changing them, you're swapping, you, you keep swapping them from within without any actual proper correspondence with, democratic correspondence with the, with, with, with the population. That's right. Really. <coughs> now, in, in workers' stories, the new, agree- new agreement for Westpac workers uh, has been negotiated by the uh, Finance Sector Union and, uh, and Westpac. So after two months of negotiations, including a petition signed by workers across Westpac Group, there's, now, the workers have now reached a in-principle agreement effective from 2016. So the, uh, st- the st- financial staff and uh, banking workers will will be guaranteed pay increases, which consist of a three-year agreement delivering wage growth of 10% for staff with salaries up to 75,000, and at least five, sorry, at least 6% for staff between 25 and 100,000, and the annual pool of 2% a year for those earning between 100 grand and 150. As well as that, as well as that, and this is, I think this is pretty important as well. Another gain is the guarantee of 10 days domestic violence leave as part of a comprehensive support policy for those dealing with domestic and family violence. Wow. Um, and um, Paul uh, Selke and Suzanne Press, the national president of FSU Council, uh, said, uh, said this, apart from all else, breaking the link between the targets and annual salary 
has been the potential start to a long overdue cultural shift in our in- industry. We can reinforce the message that there is no place here for the ruthless and often brutal culture of target, target-driven win-at-all-cost attitudes that have damaged our industry and stressed out so many of our colleagues. No. Yes, good. they have, they have yeah. made enough mm. money out of the public. They should give some back. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> well, well, but let's not just say, but it's also it's it's, it's a good news cha- for a change yes, coming from is. coming from the financial sector, yes. once in a while, and even from a private one. So, yeah. uh, actually, also also a quick, quick mention to uh, listeners: the uh, sco- the current <coughs> the community public sector union has certainly been taking industrial action throughout Australia throughout the week um, as part of its uh, campaign. Uh, as uh, as well, so and yeah, look out for that. And that's the airport staff, isn't it? Airport staff, the border security people. Oh, there's well, that's right across the board, yes, really, because in, in New South Wales, yes. yeah, yeah, because in, in New South Wales, a lot of the a lot of the public sector. Centrelink is affected. Yep, Medicare is yep, affected. Yeah, um, airports are affected. So people should be aware if you're flying, don't bother. <laughs> I'm not sure how helpful that will be. <laughs> um, next up in indigenous uh, news, the anti community say no to frackers. More than 300 people and 20 and oh, more than 300 people and 22 horses marched on the Northern Territory Parliament on September 15th to attend a moratorium and unconventional gas production in the NT as part of our land is our life uh, rally. I don't think I've ever said that horses marched together with protesters. It's amazing. I, I love saying that. <laughs> <laughs> the Medicare elder John, John Mills opened with a fiery welcome to the country and a smoking ceremony condemning what she's called the white men's law that threatened water supplies and livelihoods. She's right. Yes. And uh, the Baralula man, Gadrian uh, Hosen, spoke of the devastating impact of the MacArthur River mine on this community where lead levels in fish have risen so high Mm. that children and old people are advised not to eat fish from the river. And he said his community was now under threats, under direct threats from the unconventional gas company, Arma. It, it yeah. actually has other impact as well. You, you deprive the community of local food stuff that they're traditionally used to eating. Mm. Then they're pushed to go and buy stuff from supermarkets, which is all packaged garbage and it's like exor- exorbitant prices. Mm. Mm. So it creates Absolutely. a really unhealthy dependent sort of um, culture. But, mm, mm. but if you look at, I, I guess the thing I take from it that I actually get inspiration from is how it's bringing two sort of, I guess, almost traditional kind of, you know, people at odds with each other, the pastoralists and the, you know, the, and the, yes. and the, and the, and the Traditional land, tra- traditional yeah. owners. They're actually, they're actually coming together for this. Yes. Yeah, to yes. for, yeah, for the this environment. It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, a quick mention here to another good news story from Melbourne. The state government backs three uh, triple R, our sister community radio station. So the um, the government advised to stop high-rise development next to the station's East Brunswick headquarters. Oh yes. So the our our friends in three triple R don't will have to worry about. Um, you know, uh, having having to relocate to a smaller building anytime soon. Okay. Oh, <sighs> International news. Oh, this is this is key here. A wonderful article here written by Federico Fuentes. As Europe closes border, Ecuador says no one is illegal. 
So uh, currently, Ecuador houses about 50,000 refugees seeking asylum from within its borders. And this is the largest refugee population in any country in Latin America, although Venezuela, from what I know, Venezuela has over 180,000 refugees from Colombia as well, although it um, uh, be a different type of uh, refugees, I suppose. And uh, <clears throat> since... Uh, uh, since the year 2000, 60,000 Colombians have received refugee status in Ecuador, and most of those have been since the left-wing president Rafael Correa came in, came into power in 2007. It's also important to note that the uh, uh, well, Ecuador's acceptance of, of refugees is also driven by the by the by the constitution, as it is. Um, as, uh, as well as ensuring important rights for indigenous communities and the environment, the constitution grants migrants and refugees the same rights as citizens, including access to free health care and education. It also explicitly recognizes the right to seek asylum. Fantastic, uh, isn't yeah. it? Um, amazing. It's heartwarming. And it's just such a great example to mm. the world of mm. what Europe could be doing. Absolutely. Uh, this, uh, we, and we, bloody we, Australia. Yeah, we're talking about a, uh, a pretty small country, a country the size of, a size of Victoria, yeah. taking in 50,000, uh, you know, 50,000, uh, currently taking in about 60,000 refugees. Yeah, amazing. Uh, from uh, from Colombia. And how much has Australia offered to take? 12,000. Uh, 12,000, and that's actually, that's actually a downgrade on the, uh, that, that, that whole bit, because <laughs> previously, previously our refugee take before the Little Party government was, was in the sort of, in the high 20,000, 20, which was reduced under Abbott. Yeah. So this new right. intake is actually just jumping back to the old, to the old numbers. It's, it's really nothing, nothing new. Yeah, and while keeping the people in, in a ruined menace as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, also, also, uh, also a, a, a pretty important quote here from the Bolivia's president, uh, Evo, Evo Morales. He's been quite outspoken on the issue as well, yes, declaring yes. that uh, his country supports the idea of universal citizenship. See, in Bolivia, we will try and welcome migrants because they're human beings, he said in June while in Italy. And we don't use the term illegal because we must have universal citizenship. And acknowledging that the issue of uh, immigration is, was complex, Morales said it was necessary to tackle the causes. Migratory flaws are caused by capitalism, by wars, by military intervention, and the fact that the wealth is concentrated in the hands of too few people. Yes, we know that. And on that note, we're going to Midrow. You are listening to Greenleaf Radio on the Friday morning breakfast show, broadcast live on 3CR Radio, 855 AM digital, and streaming live on 3cr.org.au. Greenleft Radio is brought to you by the Greenleft Weekly Newspaper, providing a weekly source of alternative information which aims to inspire action to put people and the environment before profit. Subscribe to Greenleft Weekly by visiting the website at greenleft.org.au or call 1-800-634-206. For new subscribers, it's only $10 for the first seven issues. And now to the interview part of this morning's program. We have Gary Murray from Zane. You can introduce Gary Murray. Yep. So, uh, yeah, this morning we've got Gary Murray on the line. Gary's been an organiser of the campaign to save the Ballot Murrup College in Glenroy uh, and is traditional owner from the Alps area of Victoria. Welcome, Gary. Yes, thank you very much. And thanks uh, very much, all your listeners. Uh, and so, uh, Gary... You've been involved in the in the campaign to save the Ballot Murrup site. Can you tell us a bit about the focus of the campaign? Yeah, sure. 
um, I suppose if you look at Victoria as being 27 million acres, that mm. um, First Nations people, 38 First Nations across the state, own about 25,000 acres of that 27 million. Mm. What we're essentially chasing in 2015 is six acres of crown. <laughs> that used to be a school. It's got a history of schools. Um, in fact, um, the first school was the Glenroy High School. That was established in 1954, closed about 1996, and then the Aboriginal school started. And um, my family have always lived on the corner opposite from the school hmm. in 
first-class international standard multifunctional community hub, which is needed not just for our community, but also all the other communities in um, northern Melbourne here. Mm. We see it as an inclusive concept, and we see it as um, dealing with all the matters that we need to deal with in 2015, including um, uh, kids' activities, early childhood area, um, primary school, secondary school, university, all that sort of stuff, the educational part. Got to have strategies in education course. Got to have strategies in cultural heritage. Um, why should kids go to Alice Springs or somewhere else to get a cultural experience when they come 13 kilometres from the Parliament of Victoria to that hub where they can get a cultural heritage education? Mm. And, um, you know, we can do stuff outside as well as inside. It's a beautiful site, six acres. It's next door to the Glenroy Special School. It's in a precinct of about 30 acres of which um, you've got the Glenroy Bowling Club, Glenroy Tennis and Netball Centre. You've got a football oval, soccer oval next to it. And you've got the six acres that are sitting there at the moment. And um, we need those six acres. We need to show Victoria that we can do something special on that site. And particularly in Melbourne because um, our population statewide is about 50,000. And um, there's about 25,000 of that people, 50%, over 50% living in Greater Melbourne. Hmm. And as I said before, there's about 3,000 living in the northwest of Melbourne here. So the immediate population is 3,000. But also we want to make sure that any Aboriginal person can come to that site and get an experience, as well as, you know, the services that we um, normally take for granted that we're not getting out here. Yeah, and it's... um there's been some attention about community closures in Western Australia, the intervention in the Northern Territory, but I think what this highlights is that there's also been a defunding and a closure and a, and a taking away of, of, um, of land from Aboriginal organisations in urban areas. Uh, and I've got some, uh, a friend who worked at the Aboriginal Health Service in Sydney that's been defunded by the state government up there. Uh, but we've also seen that, that campaigns can win with the Redfern Tent Embassy just having a campaign to hang on to that um, parcel of land in the city there that has traditionally been a, um, well, a, you know, an urban um, place for Aboriginal people. Um, well, so, Well, ironically, we actually want the Premier and his cabinet to do an intervention on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Yeah. And drop the price from 4.8 million down to a gum Yeah. So that's the intervention that we like. Yeah. But at the moment, it's still sort of a bit of a Mexican standoff. Mm. And um, yeah, we're still we're still in there negotiating. We've got the Wurundjeri uh, Tribe uh, Land and Compensation Heritage Council involved. They're the First Nations, of course, out this way in Melbourne here. Yeah. We've got the City of Moreland involved. We've got the Indigenous Land Corporation, which is a Commonwealth statutory body that acquires land. They're the ones that bought Yulara Resort near Uluru and also set up the um, National Centre for Indigenous Excellence when they bought the Redfern Public School and set that up as a $60 million package. So there are dollars out there, um, but we feel it's been unfair and unjust that we have to pay for six acres mm. and uh, mm. when we could, you know, put the money into building... And, and getting all the services in there. Our, our concept is to satellite strategies into the site. So Victorian Aboriginal Health Service, for example, in Fitzroy, we'd be asking them to seek additional funds to satellite a health service into the site. Oh, yeah. Excellent. Um, well, we'll go to a private medical practice and in Glenroy, say, and, and get them to do the same thing. Yeah. Same thing for dentists and, and so on. 
We can do that with education and um, the legal service could be another one where we satellite legal services and human rights stuff and advocacy into the site. And yeah, what we're we offering can... is that, look, we'll, we'll build you the space. You tell us what your space needs are and we'll put that into the master plan because obviously we're looking at architects coming in and making sure that we've got a green site, making sure that we've got a site that's got open space as well as first-class facilities. And um, my, my view is that if you build it, people will will come to it. Mm. Um, particularly, we're aiming it at schools. Um, we want schools to come into the site and do the, the cultural heritage stuff. And that's really important to us, that we educate people about First Nations culture and traditions and customs, art and craft, music and everything else. So all that stuff's possible. Um, as long as we all work together on it and the government also supports it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I've been doing a bit of work at Ceres and they get a whole bunch of school kids coming yeah. through there to learn about the environment and solar panels and stuff. And so it sounds like the concept is to have a similar thing for Aboriginal culture. That would be yeah, wicked. It is. It is. It's also about ownership of land and it's also about management of that land and also it's about viability, whether it's environmental viability or economic viability. We've got to make sure that um, you know we've got all the bases covered. We don't want this to fail. And it's got to be set up properly. It's got to have the right partnerships and the right stakeholders in it. And there's got to be respect and recognition. Absolutely. First Nations that have, um, <clears throat> obviously, you know, you've got Wurundjeri and Greater Melbourne, but also you've got probably more people from outside of Wurundjeri mm. that have chosen to move to Melbourne, Greater Melbourne. And I think we've got to have that treaty stuff going. And I really think it's a worthwhile exercise to get treaties going between First Nation groups, and that's one thing we're working on. Um, it's all right to have an MOU and all that, but they're, they're a bit weak. I reckon treaties are the way to go. We've got to build that climate for treaties. Mm. Show people that, you know, they're not going to bite you. They're not going to, you know, slaughter you. They're not going to take your backyard. Treaties are simply an agreement between people that respect each other and recognise each other, and they want to do things together. They want to do, um, you know, projects together and all that. And I think we can do treaties with a lot of groups. I think we can do them with um, all the new arrivals going back 200 years. Too, um, <laughs> yeah. And uh, how can people support the campaign? I understand there's oh, a gathering got, coming up yeah, on the 25th yeah, of October. Yeah, we've got one of a series of gatherings coming up and events on the site. Yeah. Um, you know, we're still working on the, the details of that, but that's, that's going to be huge. Uh, we're going to have um, entertainment as well as speakers and uh, cultural stuff going on. It's, it's a bit of a, a practice run for some of the things we want to deal with buildings and all that. So. That's coming up, I think, on the 23rd of October. It's a Sunday. Yeah. Sunday, yeah, I think it's Sunday. So that's we're working on that one at the moment. We're trying to get um, you know, those rallies for Western Australian remote Indigenous communities. Um, we were hoping that we would get that sort of numbers on the site. Yeah, we've cool. We've got to show the government we mean business and we've got a lot of support out there. And we want a lousy six acres out of 27. <laughs> yeah. And, and you are the traditional owners. Yeah, that's right, yeah. And we've been dispossessed and dispersed all over Victoria. Yes, yes. Mm. So it's not much to ask to hang on to that, that site that's yeah. been used. Yeah. Um, yeah, all right. Well, uh, we'll keep listeners posted about that as well. So we'll, yep. we'll remind people about that gathering that's happening uh, yeah, we'll late in October. We're, we're putting out media releases and all that. And the, um, the Moreland Leader's been great too. You know, they, they've run a, a media campaign in support of um, retaining the land for the community. And they've run an article nearly every week, every second week, for the last mm. 10 weeks. So it's been great. I've got to give them a plug. Uh, very unusual for a newspaper to do what they're doing, but they've done it. Mm-hmm. 
Excellent. On that note, thank you so much, Gary, yeah, and we you. hope to speak to you again as things develop yeah, further. Okay. Thank Thanks. Thanks, yeah. Okay. Bye. Cheers. Okay, we've come to the end of the show, and it's goodbye from Fergal and Zane and Dennis and Lalita Chalaya. And out we go till next.